So listen, I've got a, just a little, um, this is like, like a, a challenge to you, maybe this, maybe for the year, okay? This is like, this is bonus material, all right? Um, but uh, as we're bringing the house lights up, I want to show you this slide, and, and you'll get to see this online as well. Um, but some information here. We remember 10% of what we read, 20% of what we hear, 30% of what we see, 50% of what we see and hear, 70% of what we discuss with others, 80% of what we personally experience, and 95% should say of what we teach others. Um, there's a lesson here. It's very discouraging to a preacher, actually, uh, if you realize, um, you know, you don't want to rely on hearing alone, okay? Is, and I, what I would challenge you to do is to take notes this year. If you're not a note taker, I encourage you to take notes, and I encourage you to discuss uh, what you learn here, what God impresses upon your heart, maybe at, over lunch or on the way home or a takeaway, because it really does help uh, put God's Word in our heart. The more we talk about it and the more senses we get exposed to doing things. I mean, this is just, it's, it's, um, it's going to help you, going to help you grow. And so just wanted to encourage people, and you could, I don't care how you take the notes. I don't care if you take them on your device, if you take them with pen and paper or whatever. But uh, I, I just encourage you to do that. I've, I've always done that uh, since I've become a believer. Whenever I'm listening to a message, I me take notes just to, God, I, I want to expect that God's going to say something to me through his word, uh, through the communicator. So I'm not asking you to do it to make me feel good, and that I feel good if you're jotting down notes. You know, it, that's not it. It's for your uh, growth and, and our, all of our growth, okay? All right, so we are just doing a standalone message today. Uh, it's not part of a series called Building Up One Another When We're Not Gathered. Not a real catchy title, but uh, it really says what the purpose of the message is, uh, how God calls us to really build each other up, encourage one another, challenge one another when we're not in this particular meeting, is what I'm saying, okay? When I say gathered, that's what I mean here, just when we're gathered in this worship time as a body, a, ch- a local church body. Uh, there's a, a verse I'd like to draw your attention to here, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. And maybe you're, I, I love this verse because it's, it's a challenge to those that aren't doing it and an encouragement for those who are doing it to keep doing it, right? He says, he's telling the Thessalonians, as you're already doing this, I want you to encourage one another, one another and build one another up. So that's going to be the focus of our time today is just looking at several ways we can do that. There's more than the three ways I'm going to share, I'm sure. In fact, I thought of a couple more, but we just don't have that kind of time today. But, um, but that's okay. I mean, um, it's a great thing about the Word of God. Every time you come to it, you get more and more out of it, right, uh, that's, that we see is there. Um, now, so... I do want to say, before I dive into these three ways of how to uh, encourage one another and build each other up when we're not gathered, I want to mention the importance of gathering first, okay? Um, now, I'm kind of preaching to the choir right now because you're here. <laughs> the people that are in this room are here, all right? 
Um, but I, I do want to mention that it is important that we gather together to worship, okay? Um, now, some people are not able to do that uh, physically. There's, there are reasons. There are legitimate reasons. Some people, because of health reasons, they can't be here. They're in a season when they're just not physically able to attend a church gathering. That's fine. That's going to happen. Um, others may be homebound or in a nursing care situation where they're just unable to be uh, at, gathered at, at a church with others. And those, those situations are understandable. I, I'm not talking about that situation. Um, I do think some people, though, are using the pandemic as an excuse to simply distance themselves from the church gathering. Uh, I, I believe that is true. Um, and it could be that uh, they've just slipped into the habit of not gathering. I mean, that's kind of easy to do when you're kind of like not doing something for a while that you were doing. Um, it's easy to kind of slip into that habit of not gathering. It could be that some people's lives are such that they may desire to keep other people at arm's length. That can happen. Uh, or maybe they've been disappointed by the church or in some way and so therefore have distanced themselves. I mean, there could be a number of reasons but I'm calling these kind of excuses. There are things that need to be, I think, dealt with. And so I just wanted to challenge uh, people. And, and again, if you're watching online, I'm, I'm not dissing you. I'm just simply saying this, that's a great tool for us to be able to broadcast online and get the message out that way. But it's not meant to, to replace the church gathered and to be part of and participating in a local church, right? Uh, and so I just thought it's good to mention this. Um, in an age where it's easy to kind of just dial back and sit back and not really be involved in body life. So, um, and again, lots of legitimate, I think, godly reasons to not be here at times. Um, and if that's your situation, totally fine. But I just thought I'd be remiss to talk about the church not gathered when we really haven't really emphasized the importance of gathering. Um, in fact, a couple verses just to mention to you here, Matthew eighteen twenty. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Just looking at that verse as, a, as an emphasis on there is something unique about the, ga- the church gathered. Okay, Something unique about several believers gathering together in the name of the Lord. Uh, he's, his presence is there in a, in a unique way. Okay? Um, Hebrews chapter 10, 24 and 25, which is probably the couple of verses that come to mind when most people think about God telling us that we need to gather, it says in verse 24, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so those couple of verses just remind us of that importance. And, um, but the fact of the matter is a lot of ministry, as it should, goes on outside these four walls and outside uh, on the other six days of the week, right? And so I think uh, what we want to do as we, we think about that verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.11, when it says encourage one another and build one another up, we want to figure out how to, to, to do that seven days a week, right? And so that's really what the rest of the message is about, some ways we can do that. Now, the first way I want to just talk about is just to be hospitable, be hospitable. Now, it's nice to be on the receiving end of hospitality, you know, right? Have you, you probably hopefully uh, benefited from that. You've had a meal at somebody's house. You've hung out with them. You've enjoyed each other's company, shared some of the things that are going on in your life, something like that. 
Um, but did you know that hospitality is on the list of the basics Christian, of Christian life? Paul challenges us in uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 13. He says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. This is right in the midst of him talking about some of the basics of the Christian life. And so you need to think about as part of the basics of our walk with Jesus, if you know Christ as Savior, is to really uh, be hospitable and practice. And in fact, this verse says, seek to show. It's like you're, gonna, you're looking for opportunities to show hospitality to one another. All right? And 1 Peter 4.9 says, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Without grumbling. So that's kind of interesting, isn't it? <laughs> Happily, you know, exercise hospitality. Now, there, are, there is a gift, a uh, spiritual gift of hospitality, but this really isn't in, a miss, in the midst of listing gifts, right? So this is saying this is for all of us. You can't, like, use the escape hatch of, I don't have that gift. Or you can't use the escape hatch of, I'm an introvert. Okay, I don't see any little escape clauses in here. You know, it's, it's, it's not like the, the, have you ever seen the movie The Santa Claus with uh, Tim Allen in it, right? There's something called the escape clause, right? the, or the Santa Claus. He forgot to read it because it's like the size of a micro dot, you know. Um, anyway, so there's no little escape clause in here. This is a challenge for all of us. And um, really, there's a blessing in, in practicing hospitality. All right. This characteristic is actually listed in the character qualities for an elder. And I think probably because um, an elder is supposed to be an example to the flock, uh, the church in which they shepherd. And so he's just saying, you know, it's supposed to be an example believer. And so believers are supposed to be hospitable, and so should elders. Right. So I really think one of the takeaways there from those verses, the, the Romans 12, right, uh, and and the first Peter four nine is that biblical hospitality is first of all an attitude. It's an attitude because he says, uh, you know, seek to show hospitality. So you're looking for that, and then show hospitality without grumbling. There in first Peter four nine. So we need to have an open heart, an open home in a sense where we would want to have people in to our home, uh, or at least spend time with them, even if it's meeting out somewhere for a meal. Maybe you don't want to. Maybe for whatever reason you can't meet in your home or whatever, but meet out for a meal, share a meal together, have a cup of coffee, cup of tea, something where you're, you're basically initiating with someone, uh, another believer here in the church, and that you are looking to welcome them into your life, share life with them. I mean, that goes in stages. should go without saying. We don't just jump into the deep end typically uh, and pour out all of our deepest secrets right off the bat, but that takes some time, but it has to start, really, um, with getting together. And so just be thinking about ways in which you might do that. Um, I wondered, this is speculation on my part, I wondered if the show uh, Hospitality Without Grumbling might have to do with the fact, you know how we tend to flock together with people like us, right? And uh, maybe he was encouraging them to hang out with people not like them, okay, and, and just be more um, loving people that aren't like you, you know, that aren't wired the same way you are, that don't necessarily like all the same things you do, 
uh, because there's people like that in the church, right? I mean, you have to have different ways of doing things than you do, different opinions on things. And it might be good for you to practice hospitality with people that, you know, aren't just maybe um, on the top of your list of being like you, okay? And so um, I think that would be good. So, uh, so I would encourage you to step out of, maybe this is out of your comfort zone, step out of your comfort zone, initiate with somebody, um, you know, have a cup of coffee, have, have a, a, a cup of tea or something, or have them over, um, dessert, whatever. I, don't, I mean, you think, you, you think about it. You think about how God would want you to do that. If you're, um, I was thinking about it, if you're a student, um, you could certainly invite friends over to your home, I would hope, is, you know, pass it through your parents or whatever. But, but how about, I was thinking about practicing hospitality when we're out and about, too. What is the most terrifying place in the school? The lunchroom. <laughs> Sometimes, for some people. Like, you know, and what about being hospitable in the lunchroom? Right? Where you could welcome, you know, where it's kind of like, where do I sit? Or, hey, come on over here. Maybe somebody you don't normally associate with. Um, that's a good way to actually, you know, practice hospitality. Um, you know, when we're here, we want to be a hospitable church. So we want people to feel welcome, right? Uh, we want people to to sense that uh, welcoming spirit. So, so being hospitable is uh, definitely one of those ways where we can um, be encouraging one another, building one another up outside um, the context of a formal meeting like this. So, think about ways, you know, pray about ways this week that you might be able to 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 uh, make that more of a habit in your life this next year. Okay, now. Um, a second uh, thing that you could do, and you probably guessed this, this would be on the list, is pray for one another, right? You probably thought that would probably be your first guess if I could say, what are the things that you could do for each other? And usually people think of pray for one another, okay? Pray for one another. Um, now, I mentioned the following verse here that we're going to look at. Um, last week, actually, I mentioned it. And I want to mention it again here, Ephesians six eighteen says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Uh, and so he's saying there, you know, make that making supplication for all the saints is just an exhortation for us to be praying for one another. Praying for one another. And I'm just going to get very practical here. Um, if there's anything that could be said about this message, is that it's going to be very practical, all right? And how to be praying for one another. Well, certainly some of you already receive uh, the prayer request emails that go out, okay? Um, if you don't, if you aren't on the church prayer email list, you can, you can be asked to be added to that. Uh, and, you know, just by simply, again, sending an email to info at darbycreek.org and ask to be on that prayer email list. And you will start getting prayer requests and can send out your own requests. And so... Those, we certainly get those, and those kind of speak to the need of the moment, don't they? What's going on right now, whether there's a sickness or some other thing being prayed about. And that is certainly a place that you can go to. But I'd like to mention to you a way that you could systematically pray through the members of the church. Um, and one way to do that is to pray through a church phone list. Okay, it's just simply to pray through a church phone list. And you may say, well, Pastor, I'm, I don't have a church phone list. Well, um, you can be on the church phone list 
and get the phone list. So the, the way to get the phone list is to be on it, right? Now, anybody that's on the phone list can, can get the phone list, and to get on the phone list, guess what? Send an email. <laughs> There's a theme here today, right? Send an email to info at darbycreek.org and ask to be put on the church uh, phone list. You just give your address and phone numbers that you want listed on the phone list, and we'll do that. But use that phone list. It's alphabetical, and just maybe pray for a couple of people a day, or maybe even just one. I don't know how you want to do it. Um, but And you may have some of those, the need of the moment type of things through, that come through the prayer emails. But if you don't know what to pray, I've got some tracks that you can run on, some things that you could pray for that I know would be God's will for people to pray for. And I was thinking, well, hey, let's use, let's take a look at um, what Jesus used to teach his disciples how to pray, right? The, what's called the Lord's Prayer, right? And just real quickly, I'm just going to refresh your memory. What is that prayer? Okay. Um, so this is this is what it says here in Matthew chapter six, verses nine to thirteen. It says, "Pray then like this: Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name." Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, um, that, so that's the Lord's prayer and that's the, the Lord teaching his disciples um, kind of a, just a model prayer. And, and, and just to clarify, there's nothing magical about these words. I hope you don't think it's some kind of a magical incantation that if you say it, good things are going to happen. Um, it's just trying to get us an, understand, an understanding of uh, some, some ways to approach God and some things to seek his face about. Um, so let me give you um, a way that someone could pray for, we're going to call her Susie Saint. All right. I told you it's going to be real practical. Okay. I don't know anybody named Susie Saint, but Okay, well, it's probably good. I don't know anybody named Susie Saint because then we'd be praying these things for her, and, which would be good. But anyway, so we're, if we prayed the following for Susie Saint, so I'm going to go back through these slides. So you start off at verse 9, and we could say something like, uh, pray something like, uh, Father, I pray that Susie would adore you and find her delight in and joy in you alone. Right? So that verse. Going on to the next verse, and I could say, I pray she would humbly accept your will and what you're trying to accomplish in her life. And then, God, I ask that you would provide for her needs, that she would seek you as the one who meets those needs. And then I pray Susie would confess sin to you and find the hope and forgiveness that are found in the gospel. And I also pray that she would extend forgiveness towards others who have wronged her, knowing that unforgiveness is not characteristic of those who have received her forgiveness. Restore any broken relationships that are in her life now. And then lastly, God, I pray you would protect her from evil and from falling into sin or the pull of the world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So, I mean, it's just, you know, just going down through, what does the verse say? And you're just praying it for that person. I mean, you can't go wrong. Jesus taught us how to pray this way, right? I mean, I know this is what God wants us to, to pray at the very least, okay? Now, um, so you can just kind of go through the church phone list like this, uh, spread it out however you want throughout the, the month. Um, our elder board has been praying through the church phone list on a regular basis now. Uh, we cover a few names each time we get together at our meetings. So 
Again, trying to get it real practical here about how you can pray for one another. And usually if you have a plan, some kind of a plan, you'll have a better chance of it actually happening, right? Now, what if you want to have a little more variety than just the Lord's Prayer? That's uh, got some passages that you can take a look at here where Paul himself prays for, uh, well, the Ephesians, the Philippians, and Colossians, church, the church of Colossae, there are prayers in those letters which I think make great prayers for one another, and, um, and so you can just examine those prayers. And I would encourage you to actually study uh, those prayers and, and what he's really getting at to pray for. Some of, it's, some of them are very obvious what he's asking to pray for. Some of it takes a little bit of digging. Now, uh, I do have a resource I want to mention to you. Um, uh, it's a paperback book written by a man uh, by the name of D.A. Carson. Okay, D.A. Carson, he's written this book that goes over these passages uh, in detail, explaining what they mean, and then how to, you could potentially use that to pray for one another. Okay, and here's the book. It's called Praying with Paul by D.A. Carson. Praying with Paul by D.A. Carson. It's, it's been around a long time. I think it's been through a couple of reprints. But it's a, it's a great resource for your own personal benefit, learning what these uh, prayers are praying for, and then turning that into prayer for one another, okay? Because remember, we're talking about how can we build one another up when we're not all gathered together. And one of the ways is definitely praying for one another, just making that commitment to pray systematically um, uh, for one another, Okay? All right, third and final way that i chosen to talk about today, just ways that you can encourage one another and build one another up, is to speak words that give grace. To speak words that give grace. Now, this could be when you, again, when you're just having a one-on-one meeting. It could be on the phone. You do remember how to use a phone, right? Like talking on the phone. You could do, or a text message, that works too because it's like a note. A text message is like a note. Or you could send a note. Um, I, I think back to an, a number of years ago when I, I'm, I'm not a big note writer, but a couple times um, in my past, I felt like uh, the Lord brought something to my mind and just kind of said, in my own heart, I felt this impression that I really didn't needed to write a note of encouragement to person X. And I did that, and uh, and then, and this person didn't even live in town, but when I actually ran across their path again, they just mentioned how God used that. So you just don't know. This is the thing. We don't realize the impact of our words. Uh, we, we sometimes just think things just come out, sometimes that shouldn't, too harshly or just not well thought of. And I know a lot of times I have the foot and mouth disease. Um, in fact, there's even a scripture that says, you know, that if you talk a lot, you're probably going to sin a lot. That's, a, that's like a, that's a uh, paraphrase. It's a proverb. But basically, you know, well, guys, if your job is talking, you're probably going to be sinning more than those that don't have a thing that involves talking. So, but anyway, that's no excuse. I'm just saying uh, I've, it's something that I've got to work on. Uh, but, but think about this verse here that challenges us in this area of speech. It says in, in Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, 
but only such as is good for building up. Isn't that what we're talking about? Building up, right? As it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Speech just takes a lot of discernment, doesn't it? I mean, it's just like when we see the, this verse here, it really challenges us to really be thinking about, does this fit the occasion? Is this the, is this the right word at the right time? Or what could I say now, Lord, that would be building them up that is fitting for this time? Um, that would give them grace, the grace that they need. Now, um, one pastor has said this, and I'll quote, quote him. It says, apart from faith in Christ, sinful hearts spew words that amplify the death and decay of the fallen world. But now in Christ, we can use our speech to give what was previously impossible, grace. Uh, I like that. I think that's a, that's a good point, saying, you know, we've got the Holy Spirit now, and we're able to, by our words, via the Holy Spirit, to give grace to you know, God uses us, and we're a vehicle, in a sense, a conduit for grace-giving uh, through the Holy Spirit, through our words, through our words. And so, so we can, you can be thinking about, uh, and by the way, this, is not, this does not mean that you make up things, make up good things to say about somebody. That's called flattery, okay? That's, that's, that's not right, okay? You don't, you don't just try to think of something good to say, and it's not true, Okay? Uh, no, you're looking for what's the need. And, and oftentimes, um, we'll be dialed into what is going to be helpful if we really engage in someone's life. Like if we're really finding out what's going on, you know. Beyond the weather, the Buckeyes, or your favorite sports team, getting into how's your inner world, you know. Um, how's things going with your wife or your husband or the kids or, you know, the things that are a big part of your life, your job or whatever. And, and you start to talking about and getting uh, below that surface, then you can, I think God kind of gives you some ideas on what is the need. Uh, and then maybe even not in that particular meeting with them, but maybe at a later time you think of something that would be something good to say, that would be uh, give grace to them. So, you know, again, just remembering the power of words, right? Um, We often recall words that were spoken to us in anger that hurt us. We can often remember those times. It just shows the impact of them. But also, I think, equally, we can remember those words or personal notes we received at just the right time and how that impacted us, right? And so, we really need ourselves, God's grace, to have this kind of ministry to one another. We need need His thoughts in our lives, and we need to spend time with Him in His Word. And as we fill ourselves up with His Word and His Spirit, then we are able to, then I think, um, have the discernment to to kind of speak the words that would give life and encouragement to to one another. Because, you know, let's face it, um, a lot of times, you know, we get beat up in the world, okay? Uh, I mean, when you're around somebody that's not filled with the Spirit, a lot of times they're not saying very encouraging things, okay? Uh, you're not. And so you need 
you and I need people to speak words of life, right? Uh, now, that doesn't always mean good feeling words, okay? I don't want you to make the mistake of thinking that giving grace-filled words is always um, an easy word to say. Sometimes saying the hard words, the things that are difficult to say but need to be said to another individual, maybe it's a, a mild reproof or, or something, uh, a confrontation that has to happen, that's also giving grace, okay? Because God may be very well using you to help uh, realign somebody with, with, with His will or just even to, to, uh, to heal a rift in a relationship or whatever it might be, and that's grace-giving. Okay, so don't just think it's always about saying wonderful things. It could be hard things can be good things. Does that make sense? But I do find people like to say the good things better than the hard things. Um, and so we really have to be prayed up, don't we, to deliver hard words, to make sure it's coming from the right place in our heart, to make sure that we have discerned the situation properly. Um, so... But, but they are necessary. God calls us to, to uh, admonish one another. When he says admonish one another, that's kind of like, that's a reproof. That's a, that's a hard word uh, that has to be said. Okay? So these three areas here, uh, you know, think back over them, right? Be hospitable, right? Uh, pray for one another, and then use our speech to build one another up. Those are just three Practical ways, real practical ways that you and I can continue the ministry to one another outside this formal meeting and things that he calls us to do. Okay? And so, you know, as we head into this next year and the next time we're back together, we'll be there, right? Um, you know, be thinking about ways that we can um, live out community together in this way outside these four walls. Okay? May God help us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you. Again, just thank you for your word. Thank you that it's very practical. Um, and this, uh, these three things we've talked about today, ways of building one another up. God, help us to be hospitable. Help us to use our words to build one another up. And help us, God, to take one another uh, to the throne of grace and prayer. Father, help us to be uh, faithful in these things, faithful to you. Um, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.